Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue, and we appreciate you listening every week at this same time to Bible Crossfire. The The name of the program uh, is intended to imply that you're able to call in with your Bible questions, comments, even discuss points of difference, because it is that important. What the Bible teaches is the truth. Only the truth will set us free from sin. False religious doctrine won't do it. Jesus said in John 17, 17, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So the way we understand and learn the truth is by studying God's word because it is the truth. And it is the thing that's going to sanctify us. Something different than what the Bible teaches. We will not be sanctified by that. It's required to be faithful to Christ and his word in order to be in a saved relationship with him. Phil from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hi, Patrick. I was listening last week, and I was very, very disturbed about a call that you had. A gentleman called in that said he was going to hell because he's still smoking cigarettes. And uh, I can't find anywhere in the Bible where smoking cigarettes is a heaven or hell issue, but here's my question. We were in Tennessee this week, and I noticed many women from a specific denomination, generally they have very long hair, but I've noticed that many of these women were as wide as they are tall. And I know that many people like food probably as much as that gentleman like cigarettes. Would overeating be an issue like cigarettes of heaven and hell? Phil, let's... Think about some of this here. Okay, I'm going to look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 29 to start with. Now, first I'm going to say that taking care of the physical body is not really emphasized that strongly in the Bible. It's taking care of our spiritual uh, status. But Ephesians 5:29, using illustration, it says, No man ever yet hateth his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church. So the implication is is that a man is going to try to take care of his physical body. So let's talk about the idea of the smoking of cigarettes. I want, I want you to look at, uh, let's see here. It would be 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12. I'm going to read this first from the King James Version. It says, all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. So Paul is talking about things that are lawful in and of themselves, but he will not be brought under the power of any. Now I want to read the, the Revised Standard Version of that verse. The Revised Standard Version of 1 Corinthians 6.12 says, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be enslaved by anything. So I think that these verses would, would tell us, this verse would tell us that we're not to participate in something that would become addict, addictive to our physical body. I will not be enslaved by anything. I am told that nicotine is perhaps the most addictive drug out there. The, the funny joke is, uh, 
it's easy to quit smoking. I've done it 500 times, which just illustrates that it's almost impossible to quit for some people. I've never met anybody except perhaps a young person who's first starting to smoke. I've never met anybody that did, who smoked that didn't want to quit. But it's so addictive, they can't quit. This verse tells us we should not participate in anything that causes us to be addicted to something. Because then, when we're addicted to that, it's going to cause us to stray away from what we're supposed to be doing in our service to the Lord. We're addicted to this cigarette, which is going to probably cause lung cancer eventually. If we don't stop, it's going to cost us a lot of money that otherwise we could be using in the Lord's service. And so I, 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 I never have smoked, and I told my kids never to smoke, taught them that. I would tell everybody to quit smoking immediately. Do the best you can. Whatever it takes to quit, whatever things you have to do to quit smoking, quit smoking uh, it's addictive, very addictive. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755 is the number to call if you have a Bible question or comment. While we're waiting on another call, I thought we'd talk about 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 10-12, through 12, which reads this way. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie, that they all might be condemned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Let's talk about some of the phrases in that passage. First of all, let's talk about the phrase deceivableness of unrighteousness or and had pleasure in unrighteousness. You know, some believers are deceived into thinking God doesn't really care if we live unrighteously. I would if they believe that, I believe that this phrase deceivableness of unrighteousness or had pleasure in unrighteousness describes them. Once saved, always saved, I believe that doctrine is a good example of this. What, the teaching of once saved, always saved is a good example of people being deceived into thinking God doesn't really care in the final analysis if we live righteously or unrighteously. Romans 6, verses 1 and 2, and then verse 12 reads this way. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. And so the Bible teaching is is that that we're not to continue to live in sin if we become a Christian. Hebrews eleven twenty four through twenty six. By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. So Moses chose to serve the Lord instead of enjoying the pleasures of sin for a season. So it's not true that God doesn't really care if we live righteously or unrighteously. He expects us to live righteously. Earl from Texas, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Oh, yes, sir. Thank you. Uh, I talked to you before and asked you to 
give me a scripture where Jesus said that unless you're baptized, you can't be saved. And you read two or three scriptures and all, but you never did read a scripture where Jesus said you have to be baptized to be saved. Uh, like I said, you read two or three scriptures, but nowhere where Jesus said you have to be baptized to be saved. And I was just want to see if you could clarify that, please. Okay. Earl, stay on the line with me and let me ask you, what do you think about this passage in Mark sixteen sixteen? Jesus is speaking here, and he says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be condemned. Why, why don't you, uh, Earl, uh, why don't you think that passage proves that a person has to be baptized to be saved? After all, Jesus says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Does that not qualify, Earl? No, I don't think that's what he said there. No, that's what you're saying he said, but Jesus never did say you have to be baptized to be saved. He's, you know, it's like anything else. It's nice to be baptized. You need to do good work. But Jesus never did say specifically that you have to be baptized or you can't be saved. And that's what I'm looking for is a scripture that well, exclusively says that Jesus said you have to be baptized. Okay, Earl. Okay, Earl. Earl, what does Earl? What does that passage mean? He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. If that doesn't mean you have to be baptized to be saved, I don't understand. That sounds like it means you have to be baptized to be saved. He said, "He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved." But it didn't say that you have to be baptized to be saved. Just he that believes is saved. But he didn't say that just because you're not baptized, you can't be saved. No, it said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Yeah, but it, yeah, but it just, it, to me, it don't just say you have to be baptized. It's just what about this? Jesus when he, okay, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, Earl, that's okay. What about this passage? In John chapter 3, verse 5, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That sounds like to me is teaching. I don't, I don't think he's talking about water baptism. I think he's talking about spirit baptism, of being baptized but, well, with the Holy Spirit. Well, I he think says he's except about being baptized the water. Earl, blood, he, I know what you're talking about. he said except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, both water and the Spirit. Wouldn't born of water refer to water baptism there? Not necessarily. All right, I'm going to read you another passage, Earl. Remember in John sixteen thirteen, Jesus was about to leave this earth, and before he left, he's told the apostles, he said, I will guide you, the Holy Spirit will guide you into all the truth, John sixteen thirteen. So we understand that it's not just Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that's inspired of God, but also Acts through Revelation. Don't you agree with me on that, Earl? That's That part of the Bible's inspired also? Every bit of, every bit of God's Word is totally inspired. Okay. But you've got to be careful, you know, if you take everything literally... You've got to be real careful about that because if we'd be cutting off our arms and cutting out our eyes, and you know, if we sinned and all, and said no one, right. you know, he talked about that. And so you you got to be careful about everything literal. All right, Earl, I want to read another passage to you. So on the day of Pentecost, Peter's preaching. He, he accuses some Jews uh-huh. of crucifying the Son of God. He meant they had clamored for it. They wanted to know what to do in verse 37. And Peter said, repent. And be baptized for the remission of sins. 
Now that sounds like to me he's saying that you've got to be baptized to get the remission of sins. He said, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. Well, Wouldn't that teach you? I'm sorry, go ahead. Earl, wouldn't that teach that a person has to be baptized to get the remission of sins? No, I don't think that's what that verse is saying at all. I think it's given to whom it can understand and accept it. The Bible says if you can accept that, you know, you do that. But if you don't accept it in the way in which, you know, you're trying to interpret it, I just don't believe that that's what it's saying, that you have to be baptized. I can't believe you can go out and accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord and live a life that's pleasing to the Lord, and he said, well, you know, you got to be baptized. This don't amount to nothing. It seems like to me your whole argument about the thing is that you're saved by baptism and nothing else matters. And no. That's just not the way it is. No, I don't believe baptism is all that matters. I'm just saying that, yeah, we got to believe and we got to repent. But he said to repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. And then I move on to Acts 22, verse 16. Now, Saul had already believed on the road to Damascus three days before this. And he was praying, according to Acts 9, verse 11. But now when Ananias gets there, he says, And now, wise Harriest thou, arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. There's another passage that teaches you've got to be baptized to be saved. Here is Saul. He's been a believer. He's been praying for at least three days. He's still in his sins, and he's told to do something to get his sins forgiven, to get his sins washed away, to be baptized. So it's not a question of baptism being everything. The blood of Christ is what washes away our sins. The question is when. When we believe or when we're baptized. When the case of Saul, it wasn't when he believed. It was at least three days later he had to get baptized to get his sins washed away. And that's why 1 Peter 3.21 can say, Baptism, talking about water baptism, Baptism doth also now save us. There's another passage. Earl said there's no passage in the Bible that proves you've got to be baptized to be saved. But I've just given five passages, all five of which prove conclusively, every one of them, that you've got to be baptized to be saved. But Earl and many people like him just won't accept what God has to say. They don't trust God enough. Instead, they trust their preacher who tells you, tells them you're saved at the point of faith when the Bible says the exact opposite of that. Larry from Alabama, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Okay. Now, uh, let me get my paper here. I've got it wrote down. Uh, the Bible says over in John that we must be born again. You quoted that scripture just a few minutes ago. Right. Of the water and of the Spirit, or we will not see God. Right. But my question is, what happened to, to the dirt when, when you was born? <laughs> what happened to what dirt when you were born? Don't the Bible says you're born of uh, you're born of dirt? Well, it made you out of clay. Made Adam. He made, no, he made Adam out of dirt. He didn't make oh. us out of dirt in that sense. He made Adam out of dirt. He made Eve from a rib from Adam, and all of us after that have been born through natural process, not the miraculous creation, but natural process reproduction. But it still comes from the dirt. It comes from the dirt in the sense that Adam came from the dirt. Okay, not in the what sense happened that you to came. that? What happened to Adam uh, when dirt, uh, when, if he wasn't born of the water and spirit, there was no dirt about him? I don't really understand your point, Larry. All I know is Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 5, except a man be born of water 
and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And so unless you're born of water, unless you're baptized in water, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That's pretty simple. That teaches, again, you've got to be baptized in water to be saved. Eric from Washington State, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. All right, thank you. First-time caller, first-time listener. I um, just wanted to kind of piggyback on the first caller that you had um, overcoming cigarettes, and, and I believe you mentioned appetite as well. Um, there was a, a comment that you made that you said um, he was, he's con- that the Lord is concerned about our spiritual welfare, absolutely, and less cared about his, our physical welfare. But from what I understand, and I am driving, so I can't give you scripture, you know, that our bodies are the temple of God. That's where the Holy Spirit resides. And um, I believe that the Lord wants us to care for our physical bodies. I think you alluded to that somewhat, but I think he finds that important. Obviously, our spiritual health is more important. Um, But there is a verse you probably could look it up um, that says for him to something along the lines for him that knows it is sin and chooses to do it you know, or knows what is right and chooses not to do it, for him it is sin. Um, I think, um, you know, the first caller had a good point. Um, You know, I suffer with sweets. You know, chocolate could be my downfall. If there's anything that's hindering our relationship with Christ, you know, we need to be concerned about that, I believe, and and, um, we need to ask the Holy Spirit to help us to overcome that. I will will hang up and, and listen to your thoughts. Thank you for your call, Eric. That's James 4.17 says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not to him it is sin. And 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not of your own. Winston from North Carolina, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yeah, how you doing? Listen, can you explain about the thief on the cross? He wasn't baptized in water. I'm going to hang up and let you talk about it. I'll do that, Winston. Thank you for your good call. If the thief on the cross, that comes up quite a bit on our program. And one of the first places I like to turn to is Hebrews 9, verses, we'll just read 16 and 17. There's being a, an analogy made here to, a, to a, a will. My parents wrote their wills, wrote their will in 1970, but that will did not go into effect until after the death of my mother in 2010. My dad died in 2001. My mother died in 2010. They wrote their will sometime in the 1970s, but the will did not go into effect until after their death. We're all familiar with that principle. So the writer of Hebrews is drawing upon that and saying the same thing is true about the last will and testament of Jesus Christ. Verse 16 of Hebrews 9 says, For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is of force after men are dead, Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. So he's making that same point that this testament does not go into effect until after the death of the testator. And what he's talking about here is the New Testament. That's verse 15. He says, for this cause he is the mediator of the New Testament. So the New Testament law, according to this passage, did not go into effect until after the death of the testator. And the testator, in this case is Jesus Christ. This New Testament law is what requires us to be baptized. The Old Testament law did not require to be people to be baptized. So the thief on the cross, he, he, like Jesus, lived under the Old Testament law, which didn't require people to be baptized to be saved. So the thief didn't have to be baptized for the same reason that Adam didn't have to be baptized, for the same reason that Moses didn't have to be baptized, for the same reason that Abraham didn't have to be baptized. 
He didn't live under the New Testament law that requires water baptism. In Luke 24, 47, Jesus said right before he ascended up to heaven, he says, And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Key phrase there, beginning at Jerusalem. That almost certainly is referring to the the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 when they started preaching the new covenant law in Jerusalem, from Jerusalem. That's where, in Acts 2.38, which we read earlier, where Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's when baptism for the remission of sins in the name of Christ began to take effect. In the Great Commission, just before Jesus ascended up to heaven, he had said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That began to be preached beginning at Jerusalem in Acts chapter 2. So before that time, people didn't have to be baptized to be saved. Like I said, Joshua and Caleb didn't have to be baptized to be saved. They lived under the Old Testament law. That's the exact reason why the thief on the cross didn't have to be baptized to be saved. He lived under the Old Testament law, and it's the New Testament law that requires us to be baptized to be saved. We're under the law that we read about in Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. That we read about in Acts 22.16, where Ananias told Saul to rise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Obviously, Saul, who later became known as Paul, had to be baptized to get his sins washed away. He had believed three days before that. He still was in his sins. He had to be baptized to be saved. That's why we can read, as I said before, in 1 Peter 3.21, that baptism doth also now save us. It's not that baptism earns our salvation. It's that the death of Christ saves us. The blood of Christ washes away our sins when we're baptized. Calvin from Louisiana, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yes, I'm Calvin, you're on the air. Yes, can you hear me? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Yes, I'm calling and referring to the question about the baptism of uh, water baptism. I want to add that the water baptism was an institution that was instituted by God to the Jewish people. John the Baptist was given that ordinance to baptize the Jewish people before Christ came. John said... I baptize you with water, but there's one that comes after you, after me, that will baptize you in the Spirit and with fire. So it was to the Jews only. It was an outward sign representing a spiritual application. So after Paul was sent to the the Gentiles, he said, Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Then the outward sign is to be done away with. Calvin, we're about to go off the air. Appreciate your call. I'll try to reply to what you said. Just keep keep listening. If everybody would turn to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. Here is the conversion of the first Gentiles. We're going to see here that baptism, water baptism, wasn't just for the Jews, but it was also for the Gentiles. So we have the conversion of Cornelius and his household going on in Acts chapter 10. That's what this is about. These are Gentiles. And in verse 47, Peter said, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to, be, to tarry 
certain days. And so it's not true that baptism was only for Jews. That's a false teaching. Here we have a clear-cut case in Acts chapter 10 of the first conversion of Gentiles. And Peter said, can any man forbid water that these should be not be baptized? And so they were baptized in water, Gentiles. So both Jew and Gentile should be baptized. As a matter of fact, when Peter said, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins, in Acts 2.38, he said in verse 39, for the promise is unto you, that's the Jews, to your children, that's the Jewish descendants, and to all that are far off, according to Ephesians 1, that's the Gentiles, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So he's saying this promise that if you repent and be baptized, you'll get the remission of sins is for Jew and Gentile. We're going to have to go off the air. Go to BibleCrossFire.com and send me an email. BibleCrossFire.com is my website. You can go there, sign up for a Bible correspondence course. You can send me an email. We can talk about through the week the Bible, any of these subjects to your heart's content. 